my goal is to not actually have goals right now. I want to show up in a way where I can love and appreciate the people in my life and have the time and space to be able to do the things that fill me up. Today's guest is going to be talking about the importance of getting your relationship to your time and your money right. He's helped so many people spend more time doing the things that they want to do instead of the things that they feel like they have to. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the dream beyond. I'm your host, Nick Tarasio. I'm a CEO, musician, and overall seeker of truth, inspiration, and simply put, how to live the most fulfilling life possible. Growing up surrounded by extremely wealthy and successful people gave me unique and unfiltered perspectives of those who have seemingly made it. And on The Dream Beyond, we're letting you in on what it really takes to achieve your dreams, what happens when it turns out your destination isn't the promised land you were expecting, and how to process the lessons from your past while mapping a course to true fulfillment. Let's get started. All right, excited to bring you this guest. He, by 37, he built up enough passive income that he and his wife were able to leave their jobs. Entrepreneur Magazine calls him the Warren Buffett of lifestyle investing. He's a master of low-risk cash flow investing with an ethos of creating wealth without creating a job. That sounds like a dream. Uh, author of the best-selling book, The Lifestyle Investor, The Ten Commandments of Cash Flow Investing for Passive Income and Financial Freedom, and the host of the Lifestyle Investor podcast. Please welcome Justin Donald. Justin, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Nick. I'm excited to join. Absolutely. And I, I think this is really the first time I've ever heard of lifestyle investing, to be honest. I've heard of people talk about this concept of, you know, passive income and, and different aspects of cash flow. But I'm really curious, what was your definition of success before you understood this as a possibility? Yeah, you know, for me, um, more than anything, my definition of success was kind of living life on my terms, um, just not being a slave to uh, a job or to the business that I had or to um, even like the lifestyle that I had become accustomed to. Yeah, I feel like a lot of my life, um, there were times where you kind of you kind of continue to earn more and then you create this maybe upgraded or cooler lifestyle. But then all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm kind of beholden to this lifestyle. So I got to keep doing what I've been doing, even though I might want to exit it. And so I, for me, I just wanted life on my terms. I wanted to buy my time back. I didn't want to have golden handcuffs. I just, um, I wanted to get out of this whole idea of living a reactionary life, like, you know, putting out problems, being on someone else's schedule. I wanted to be more by design and more proactive and, you know, intentional about what it was that I wanted out of life and who I wanted to spend time with and what are the things that uh, I enjoy doing the most and, and help me feel the most fulfilled. So when, when, you know, when I hear the term again, lifestyle investor, it's something that I think is the promised land for many people where they're like, I just want to have enough money coming in that I don't need to worry about money anymore. Uh, and I do want to enjoy my life. I want to do other things. Yet I hear of people in the entrepreneur space that they sell their businesses, for example, they make a bunch of money and they go into the void and they're like, oh man, I didn't see this coming. So I'm curious, are there like, what was the hardest thing for you on the other side of hitting that moment? Where you're like, we're done. We're done with jobs. I don't need that anymore. 
You know, it's interesting for me. You know, I've got a lot of people in in you know my mastermind, my community that have had big exits, right? So they sold their business for X million dollars or whatever. Um, I never had that. You know, for me, it was just singles and doubles. I've never had a big home run. I've never had a big grand slam. Um, so it, I feel like my situation is a little different in that there wasn't this huge shock of like I worked so hard. Uh, and then all of a sudden there's like nothing to do, nothing going on. I don't have a business for me. I just, you know, slowly, but surely put enough passive income together that at a certain point I didn't have to work, but along the way I was, um, buying more and more of my time back. And so I was spending my time doing other things that I enjoyed. So for me, by the time I had true passive income, I had bought a little time back, you know, each let's call it, you know, each six months or each year, however you want to, you know, uh, look at it. And I was doing the things that I wanted to do. I had already taken my Fridays off and incorporated, you know, meetups with friends and, uh, you know, a date day with my wife and, you know, different things like that. So it wasn't this drastic change. It was a very gradual, um, evolution into the life that I'd been really, aspiring to live that I've been trying to get to one step at a time. Was there any aspect of this? And and it sounds like this may not have been in you, but in other people you've worked with, is there ever like a worthiness question of like almost survivor's guilt, right? Like everyone else is working so hard and yet I've got this beautiful balance of time and I can, I can invest in myself more. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of people that show up with, it's a fascinating concept because I think a lot of people feel like they're not worthy or they're the lowest man or woman on the totem pole in whatever group that they're in. There's this imposter syndrome. Like, let's even think about someone that's had an exit because we have a lot of people in our community that have had exits, you know, some, you know, small, some medium sized, some truly massive exits. And I think the common denominator is with, with each of them is like, was I a one hit wonder? Could I do it again? Like, you know, do I belong in this group? Like, do I have what it takes? And I think these are just, you know, mind games that that happen as people are, you know, gaining their confidence in maybe like a new area or like an overall like self-confidence in the way that they show up, not them as an entrepreneur, not, you know, you know, you, who are you? You're an entrepreneur. Well, like that's a, a small picture of who someone really is. Right. Uh, yeah. Or a lot of people, I think they they gain their significance or maybe have created an ego by uh, even by default um, based on the role that they play, whatever role that is, or the net worth that they have, whatever number that is. And I think it's um, an unhealthy way to kind of gauge success or gauge life. And I think people, when they do have an exit or they do leave their business or they do walk away from their job, they have this, this moment where they have to confront this, the, the la you know, they, they shredded or shedded an ego or like they got to get clear on who they are, that their purpose and, and how they show up is greater than just the work role that they played. I'm curious how that plays out for you, because I, I agree that there's a lot of this. I don't know if it's a Western thing, but there's this my identity is what I do, not who I am. Right. It's not the being. It's all the doing. How do you 
see that your identity shifted as you went through this process? Oh, it's a, such a great question. And I feel like at different stages of life, I've just been in, in, you know, different realities, you know, early on in my career, my emotions and how I showed up really would ride the success of my business. Like how well did we do in sales that week? How well did we do in sales that day? Like what's going on? Uh, and so like emotionally, I showed up as a roller coaster. You know, people would say, hey, how are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, bad, had a rough sales day, you know, where it's like I'm defining the whole day based on or the whole week based on like one component, even though it's a big component, maybe in younger years, it's still a pretty unhealthy way to like gauge the overall day. And so I caught myself and had other friends, luckily, you know, point out that that's how I was showing up. Like I had one friend that would say, Justin, you are not your sales. Justin, you are not your results. And so like that sticks in my head all these years later. And this was me as like a young kid right out of college, you know, building a business. Today, you know, I, I'm, I show up in a kind of different place than maybe I have. Like the last few years have been really interesting for me because my whole life I've set these goals and I've wanted to achieve and I have like all these categories. Um, but the last number of years, I haven't wanted to be in this mode of achievement. I actually feel like achievement helped me get to where I am today, but I actually think it's going to cage me and trap me for the life that I want to live. I don't want to achieve something like I just want to be. I just want to spend time with those that inspire me, um, both on the side of like mentors that pour into me and mentees that I can pour into and then just peers and friends and then spending time doing the things that I feel like I was built to do and, and things that really fill me up. So I think the two extremes are like riding the emotions of like my business defines who I am and the, the even more granular, like the success of my business uh, defines who I am to my goal is to not actually have goals right now. Uh, I just want to show up in a way where I can love and appreciate the people in my life and have the time and space to be able to do the things that fill me up. Can you tell me like the last perfect day that you had, what that looked like? Yeah. You know, the word perfection, such a, an interesting word. Um, you know, I, I actually try to stay away from that word because, um, I don't know that perfection suits me, especially as a guy that at one point in life called himself a perfectionist. Uh, so I actually think that that word has uh, been in many ways a disservice to me, thinking that there is this ultimate, ultimate like ability to achieve the impossible. So I just think each day is a gift. And I mean, I know the routines that I like. I know that uh, if I am in a reactionary state where I'm booked so solid that I'm going from thing to thing to thing to thing, uh, where I'm just responding. Like that's the exact opposite of the type of day that I want. Um, but I also know that for me, a day that brings me a lot of energy and a lot of joy is filled with time for me to make sure that I'm, you know, nourishing my body, uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, that I have time to connect with loved ones. Uh, so there's this, you know, carefree timelessness kind of built into my day. 
uh, having projects that I'm excited to work on and, and crack the code on. Like I, I do like a challenge. Um, I love to read. So I, I really want to make sure I've got reading uh, as part of my everyday life. So, you know, is there, you know, I like the word ideal day uh, above perfect day because I don't know, you know, I feel like I don't want to put so much pressure on any day or anything for perfection, but I can tell you that I have a lot of days that are pretty darn ideal and most of them don't even look the same, you know? So it's a fascinating concept though. Yeah. It's my, my question that I had coming up next is actually, I almost want to change it now because I was going to ask you about cultivating fulfillment, but I almost hear that you're saying you're just leaving space for fulfillment. You're actually leaving space for it to come in instead of this idea of you got to go out and make it, you got to go out and create it. And, and, and that's such an interesting flip for me because most of my programming has been, if you don't go do it, it's not going to happen. Mm, yeah, that's powerful. And by the way, I, I think that there are in many ways things that you can go do that can bring fulfillment when you have clarity on what those things are. But I also think that the, the more that the day is typecasted, the less room there is for true flow um, and, and maybe even self-discovery. So I often find that some of my best decisions, some of my best ideas, maybe for me, what I would consider like profound epiphanies happen in a time that is completely um, unscheduled and open and free. You know, I, I, every week I have time in my schedule that's like, you know, it's think time. It's a electronic free time. It's being out in, in nature and uh, letting my mind wander capturing notes, journaling, just it's a space to think, be creative, you know, take some time with my thoughts. And that has been some of the most productive time I've ever had. And this is coming from a, a pretty high um, extrovert. Like I love people. Uh, if I were to fill time, like it'd be really easy for me to fill my time with a lot of people. So for me, it was a really big epiphany and decision to actually say, I'm not going to spend time with people during this and I'm going to experience, you know, solitude at the highest level. As you, as you started to carve out more time in your calendar, uh, how did you do with no, right? With saying no, because I would imagine someone said like, you got nothing going on today. I want this. I need this. Uh, what, what was that emotional experience? Like having to hold those boundaries. Yeah, boundaries are so important. Um, I used to be a yes man. Uh, I would say yes as much as I could. I'd feel bad saying no. I would feel like maybe I'm letting people down if I had the ability to to do something. And just over time, I've realized like I've got to create the space to make sure I'm in a good place and that I'm not just saying yes to everything. My wife, um, who you know, offers so much great wisdom to me. Uh, often it's things that I don't want to hear in the moment and I don't like it, it but it, and it's frustrating. And then later I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty profound. I got to hand it to her. But you know, one of the things that she'd say to me is when you say yes to other things and other people, you're saying no to the family. And uh, that was a real big eye opener. And I was like, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't even consider that. Um, and so 
you know, it, it depends on the time of day. Like maybe it's not a true conflict with the family. Like maybe it's during the work day and my, you know, my wife and daughter, are, you know, in school or doing their thing. Uh, but there's still that same conflict of if I say yes here, I'm saying no to something else. And so I just got really clear on what my priorities were. Like, who are the people in my life that are the most important that I need to say yes to? And then once I have clarity there and I'm doing that, it gives me permission to say no to the other things that would take me away from those people or for those activities that I feel like I really need to be doing. It's interesting. I know the the concept of that saying yes to everything. I, I believe for me and for many people I've spoken to, it comes from a place of scarcity, right? It's like, a, a, if I don't say yes to that, I'm going to miss an opportunity. There's something there. Uh, and, and, and I imagine that for you, once you hit that space of like the money's coming, like the money's already coming in, what did that moment of abundance feel like? Because I imagine that is an abundant feeling of like the system's running. Yeah, you know, it's it's an incredible feeling, but um, it's, you know, I have so many different thoughts on this and so many things I'd love to articulate. Like that is such a phenomenal question. So I'm going to do my best to unpackage uh, my thoughts around it because I have so many here. So first and foremost, it's an incredible feeling and it's a feeling that it's hard to truly describe. You know, your net worth is a number that like if you're not careful and, and most people um, are not intentional with this, the goalposts are just going to move. And in many regards, it's kind of like this subjective number that, you know, what's your net worth? I don't know. My company feels like it's worth this or, you know, I think our home is worth this or whatever. Like to me, there's so much subjectivity in that. And there's also a lack of utility in it. Right. But if you have cash flow that is covering what it costs you to live your life, like those are like that, that is a quantitative number. Like you can know exactly what that is and you can do that without a big net worth. And so you're able to build this like freedom, this, this like weight that you're you're carrying around that you may not even recognize that you're carrying around that that you just get to release and it is an incredible feeling but at the same time that feeling once you achieve it it's kind of like a lot of us are wired for like what's next like i conquered that mountain what's what's next and so to me it was an incredible experience. I actually get a lot more joy out of helping people in my community achieve financial freedom because that doesn't stop. Like there's always someone else and there's a lot of celebration uh, around that. And that brings me a tremendous amount of joy because I remember it, it It helps me tie back to what it was like when my wife and I were able to achieve this ourselves. Um, but if you're not careful, the, the goalposts move just across the board, right? Like it's really easy to increase your lifestyle uh, or for the status quo to now be, you know, kind of like not good enough. Like we got to, we got to experience more. And, and with a culture of consumerism, I think we got to be really careful uh, what, you know, how, how intentional we are on the front end and, and, what we're doing to create fulfillment in our life versus just trying to consume more, to fill a void by buying something else, getting another home, getting another, a newer car, a newer this, a better that. Yeah. Uh, I, I live in New York city. So I, yes, that is, it's amazing how many people I've met that seem like they have 
literally millions of dollars of income. And then they later confess, I can barely keep up. All right. Yeah. I can barely keep up with that. I'm, I'm, I'd love to hear more about the practices you've employed to stop that creep. That, I mean, especially with a family, right? I imagine that it's not just for you. It's also your family may say, well, why do they have that? Or why can't we have that? I was just in Costa Rica. Why can't we have the big Costa Rican hilltop mansion? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because part, I feel like, you know, if you're a high achiever, it's almost like you want to put that notch in your belt or just see that you can do it, that you can accomplish it. The framework that we've operated out of has been kind of more holistic. And so the financial part is a means to an end. Like, for example, most people can't just stop what they're doing and and go transition to something that they're truly, fully passionate about because the financial component often needs to be fulfilled first, right? So it's way easier when money is taken care of and you can cover your lifestyle to then say, okay, well, now that that's the case, what, what would I do? Like, what inspires me? It's a lot harder. You can still do it and people do it all the time. It's just tougher to, you know, there, there's a safety and a security of having a sure thing and to pivot without the financial backing behind it. Like that's, that's tough. Most people can't do yeah. that. So even for me, I had a really hard time envisioning what life was going to look like or what I wanted until I felt secure in my financial situation to take that burden away mentally, just that I'm carrying around. No one sees it. No one feels it probably except me. Maybe people in the inner circle, you know, our inner circle feel it. But as a general rule, like for me, like I just had to shed that. And then all of a sudden I had all this clarity for what I wanted to do and and meaning. And so meaning of life. And so I think we got clear that with surplus income, we just didn't want it to go to consumerism. There are a bunch of things that for us bring us joy with groups, people like there's nothing wrong for us to take a cool trip, do some cool things that maybe we haven't done new experiences, but we didn't want all of our surplus income to go hundred percent to consumerism. We have you know, organizations, charities, businesses, different things that we value that we want to contribute to. Uh, and by the way, sometimes maybe it is, you know, doing a really cool family trip. Like we did a trip, you know, where we traveled to 13 countries inside of a year and that was epic. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, but we also did that in a pretty darn cost-effective way. And so each time we have a new business take off or a new investment, you know, get, you know, pay a, a great return. We kind of have a game plan on where that capital goes and how we're going to use it. So I just think that we, my wife and I, we every year do this annual planning day. We call it a marriage and family planning day. And we just map out what we want life to look like. Who are the couples that we're going to spend time with? Who are the individuals that each of us are going to spend time with one-on-one -on -one or in small groups? And, you know, from a family standpoint, who are, who's the peer group that we want to influence for our daughter? Uh, like who should she be around and what are the traditions that we want to instill and what are the trips that we want to take? And, you know, what are the charities and organizations that we want to donate to? And, and is it just time or is it also money? Is it both? Right? So these are things that we're just really intentional about. When it comes to 
What you said before was interesting, this idea of some people kind of get to their place of financial safety and then start to cut away the noise and free up the space. For people that are on their way there and, and aren't yet secure, what what advice do you give in your process for them to start making that happen, even if they're not there yet? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I say at the end of every one of my episodes, uh, you know, the lifestyle investor is, is I just challenge my audience. What's the one step that you're going to take today to move you towards financial freedom uh, and true living a life, you know, a life on your terms, a life, you know, not by default, but by design, right? Like, I actually think that if we can just gain clarity in a step or a move that we make, each day, or maybe it's each week, or maybe it's even each month to start, um, but just maybe more intentional than just default. I think that's probably the best way. You know, when we found financial freedom, it was a process. It's not like overnight we were financially free. It was like this, you know, our very first uh, real estate purchase was actually a mobile home park. And I was really nervous about doing this. I was like, man, am I throwing my money away? I don't know if this is a good deal. Uh, I think it is. It feels like it. But I was like, you know, nervous and had, you know, just emotions around it. And I just took this confidence that if other people can do this and I just follow the same playbook, you know, I should at least be like 60 or 70 percent is good. And those results are better than the results I'm getting. So like in one fail swoop, we did replace my wife's income. Uh, which is really cool. But, you know, it's it's not like everything was replaced. Like, you know, the next level was like, how do we replace our our mortgage? How do we replace our car payments and utilities? How do we how do we pay for our vacation with an asset, you know, with the cash flow uh, of an asset? Um, and so, you know, slowly but surely, we just kind of chipped away at it. And, and over time, it happened. And so, I just think for most people, they're not going to have a windfall of like this massive exit. Like think about the, you know, all the entrepreneurs in the world. And by the way, the number of entrepreneurs compared to like the number of people just working in corporate America. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. I think what knowing what is best for you is what's really important, right? Like, I, you know, as a business owner, like that's best for me. But we couldn't function if we didn't have people that were, you know, employees or worked, you know, on behalf of the business. So, like, people are wired for different things. My wife is definitely wired in a support role. I'm definitely not wired in a support role. Um, but I think the reality is, like, there are very few uh, percentage-wise entrepreneurs to, you know, the rest of of working, you know, America or working world. Um, and then of that, there's very like this, the percentage is so small of people that actually like scale and grow, like exiting their company at a period of time. Like the odds of anyone selling their business is slim to none. Most businesses don't make it. So if you're like one of the lucky few that do great, but most people are not going to have a windfall of cash. Like yeah. most people are not just going to have $20 million show up. They're going to over time accumulate either you know, assets that don't cash flow or assets that do cash flow, probably a combination of both. And I just always cared more about the cash flow than I did the net worth. I just thought there was more utility today in that. And so I made moves in in that direction. How can I cover costs so I can not feel like I have to do anything? I can shift the mindset from having to work 
to being blessed to, to work on what inspires me. I'm really curious about the taboo of money. Like specifically, someone once said to me, you could ask someone just about anything, but if you said to a person, how much money do you have in your bank account? Most Americans would be like, are you out of your mind? Like, I'm not going to answer that question. So being a guy that is talking to lots of people about one of the most difficult subjects, I'm just curious to know about your, your relationship to money and the relationship you've seen most people as they think about money and their relationship to it. Well, it's funny. I, I had this, I mean, in my head, I, this is like burned into my head. Like as a kid, I remember asking one of my parents' friends how much money they made. Cause I was like, I'm trying to figure out if I want to do this. And my mom's like, Justin, how dare you? And I'm like, <laughs> what's wrong? What, like, how can you not ask that? That seems like a very reasonable question to ask. Oh, we, you don't talk about money. That's, that's rude. And so like at a young age, that was really ingrained. And I think like even culturally, uh, it was more taboo, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago than it is today. But it's still kind of taboo to talk about finances, which is ridiculous, because how do you expect to get better if you're not talking about it? If you're not willing to share where you are and where you want to go and have people that are willing to say, hey, I made these mistakes and I learned from it or, you know, I want to help you not make the same mistakes or I did this thing and it was really smart. So we just have these rules like in the lifestyle investor communities, like in our mastermind, it's just an open book. Like even to get in, people have to apply and be super vulnerable with, you know, all their financials. Uh, and most people will say something to the fact of like, I've never gone through this deep of a dive on like opening up. Like I've never told anyone these things about my financials. And it is mind boggling to me and I'm so happy people are doing it, but it's mind boggling to me that that's the first time that people are doing it, that, uh, you know, there's not a community to support people. Most of the people that, that come into our community, they don't have a community like this that supports them financially, just like you would have a, you know, a trainer. Like if you want to get really fit, you hire a coach, you, you hire someone that is, you know, has done the thing that you want to do, has the, the shape, the track record, the experience to help you get to where they are. And you see a lot of entrepreneurs that do this for their business. There are very few people out there that are doing this for their wealth, like the holistic wealth and even just the category of financial. Like if we had to take one component of the word wealth, uh, you know, and, and I just look at wealth as totally different than than, you know, being rich, like rich is having a lot of money. Wealth is having a lot of time. Right. And so like there's a big distinction there, but a component of wealth is, you know, financial success. And most people don't have anyone in their life that they're pouring into um, or being poured into by in this category. So, of course, most people don't get better at it. They get worse at it. Like the bottom line is if left unattended, you're not going to get better at it, right? If left unattended, it will maintain or get worse. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, th I think the challenge with it is the people who need the conversation the most are the most afraid to expose that. Again, like it's that New York facade that I talk about. This life looks amazing. I've got the Hamptons home. I've got the fancy car. I got the family. I've had even people say my wife doesn't even know the financial reality we're in, which is like, we do not have any cash. 
Uh, so it, it is interesting that it becomes somewhat self-fulfilling. And, you know, besides coming into a mastermind like yours, how have you recommended people change that relationship to money? Well, I think a lot of it, I mean, you you could get into just like a coaching relationship with someone around it. I think you there are a lot of great books out there that you can read. Like early on for me, um, what I wanted in life professionally, there weren't a lot of people in my network that my parents were friends with, that were in our community, that went to our church, that, you know, were on my sports teams. There just weren't people that I don't know, played at the level that I hoped to be able to play at. And so I had to find my mentors somewhere. And the only place I could think to find them was at the library. And so I used to go check out books and read, you know, about people that had a lot of success and learned what they were doing. Entrepreneurs, investors, you name it. Like I just was a student. And I think that's a great way to get started. But then I think being intentional with where you spend time, like your peer group, you know, we've all heard, you know, different uh, shades of the, I think the original quote from Jim Rohn is who it was from, where you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And, you know, I even remember being at a Tony Robbins event and he's like, all right, write down your, you know, the five people you spend the most time with, and then write down what uh, their income is, you know, and then like, go ahead and take that and, uh, add it up and divide it by five. And then uh, what's that number? Okay, great. And then what, how much do you make? And I remember sitting there like, oh my goodness, like this is exactly what I'm making. This is crazy. And it was just this huge epiphany of like, I love these people. And I, and, and actually some of the people weren't serving me very well in that season, but there were some that were. Uh, and then I wanted to, like, I wanted to upgrade the level of life and business and finance that I was showing up in the world with. And so I did that by being a big copycat. You know, a lot of people think, you know, uh, maybe I've created all this stuff. Like I just find the best people at whatever the thing is. And I just copy them. That's it. You know, and my goal is to be as close to as good as them as I can. And I try not to innovate much until I have it all down. And then only then do I feel like I can innovate. And often I don't because I think their stuff's better than what I have, you know, or what I would do. Uh, but being intentional with spending time with people playing the game of business and life and investing and, and wealth building at a higher level than me was very refreshing and filled me from like it from like a learning standpoint and then engaging with mentors um, some were willing to just spend time with me. Others I paid to spend time with me, right? Like I hired them as a coach to shift my scarcity mindset, to help me learn how to be more abundant, to help me think differently than many of the beliefs I'd been instilled by or with from my family around money being a scarce resource. Well, I, I appreciate what you do very much. I truly do believe it's one of the biggest blocks for most people that I've come across. And I, I love that you're changing the conversation. And I'm excited to really dive into your content too, because it, it affects me every day. I mean, it's running an aviation company. People assume, man, you must have a lot of money. I said, we have jets, which means we don't have a lot of money. They cost a lot to run and they are, you know, there's all types of variances in the market. Um, but, you know, I think kind of to, to close things up, I am curious from the space of someone who is living the dream of many, many people. What is your dream beyond that? 
What do you dream about when you wake up now? Well, first of all, I just I want to commend you for um, having the courage to like state the facts and be vulnerable about where you are to your audience with your audience. Uh, that's incredible because I think that when you are living in like your own truth, it is so much easier to get to where you want to be versus, you know, I think a lot of people deceive themselves and uh, maybe trick themselves into believing uh, a false reality, right? And sometimes our facade uh, becomes like it, it's, it's, you know, starts out as, you know, maybe just a protective thing, but eventually it, it kind of becomes the reality, but it's like a false reality. So yeah. I just want to honor you in that. I think that's incredible. Um, and I, and I also want your audience to know how rare it is to have a leader that is vocal and willing to do that. So that's really cool. Thank you. You know, for me, I just feel like, um, I want to spend my time with the people that I aspire to be, that I value their friendship. You know, I'm a relationship guy first. So, um, I really try to do the opposite of what I've done the, you know, previous part of my professional life. I paid lip service to the fact that I'm a family man and uh, I'm part of this community called Front Row Dads. And um, it's all about being a family man first and a businessman second. And so I took this stance of like, yeah, I'm a family man first and I'm a businessman second. But when I checked my schedule, my schedule didn't reflect that. Right. So the reality was I wanted that my schedule said I was a businessman first and a family man second. And so that was like a wake up call for me to say, whoa, I got to redo this instead of booking all my business stuff. Why don't I just say, hey, how, how do I show up best for my family? Uh, let me plug family time in first. And then from there, let me plug in like time for me to be, you know, physically fit, emotionally fit. Like I got to have time to read. I need to have time for me for like devotions. I need to have time to hit the gym. Um, so I got to make sure that's in there. And then who are the key people in my life? Who are my 10 to 12 people? Or in my wife's case, who are her six people, right? She has a smaller uh, group of, of, you know, close friends. I have probably a bigger group of close friends, but where am I carving out time for them? And then let's lay business in there. I can work business around it. So for me, it's living life in a way that is aligning with my desire for how I want to show up in life and who I want to show up in life with and like who I want to do life with. Well, that's, that's super inspiring. I, I, I really, I really love that idea, especially I, I'm actually going to check out the front row dads. I'd love to be a dad soon, hopefully working on that this year. So uh, I don't want to be the guy that's never around. And aviation is a funny way of pulling people out of their life and sending them all over the world. And, you know, there's you become more of a photo for your kids than an actual person. So, again, I'm just really inspired by everything you said and, and grateful to know you. Uh, and for the audience, I mean, there's so much stuff that came out in such a short time. And what I think I'm most moved by is you're not one of these guys that sits here and talks about how you're some superhero. And I think a lot of people do that. They kind of build their ego up and say, you know, oh, I'm kind of King Kong and that's how I did it. I think you're going very much the opposite way of saying it doesn't take extraordinary feats of innovation. It takes a little bit of discipline, takes some conscious choices and some saying no. Uh, but what I hear is that you've really laid out a path for other people 
really anybody to find their way towards that. And and again, that's what I commend you for is creating a platform to you know to lift other people up. That, I think that's really beautiful. Uh, and in the meantime, if you're interested in learning more about this, you could check out lifestyleinvestor.com. You could pick up Justin's book or you could check out his podcast as well. So, uh, I mean, again, just tons of gratitude. My head's spinning with all that you said. And uh, if there's anything you'd like to leave with the audience, I'd open it up to you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'd love to say is, you know, for anyone that has interest in the book, The Lifestyle Investor, uh, and really figure out how to create cash flow, um, you can go to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash free book. Um, I think you just pay for shipping and and my team sends you a book. Uh, and, and for those of you that decide to buy it, all the proceeds of the lifestyle investor go towards human to like fighting human trafficking efforts. So um, we have donated now hundreds of thousands of dollars to these different efforts, Love Justice International, Tim Tebow Foundation. Um, you know, when I wrote this book, I had no idea that it would become a top 1% of all books sold. So, um, but ever, since day one, all the proceeds have been uh, donated and will continue in perpetuity to be donated. Um, and, you know, we've got other cool stuff with courses and master classes, but my goal is to get education. And I've got it from free standpoint, from a small standpoint to, you know, a higher skill standpoint. But my goal is to have every uh, type of level that can appeal to anyone wherever they're at in life. Um, there's all kinds of free resources. I got a blog, you know, the podcast is free. So I just, I want people wherever they are in life to have an opportunity to move in a better direction. That's more in alignment with their goals, their dreams, their desires. Awesome. Thanks so much, Justin. We appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Dream Beyond. I hope that you received whatever message or inspiration you were meant to get from today's episode. I had a great time recording it for you. If you love the show, please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review it. That really helps get the word out. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at instagram.com slash nickterrasio, linkedin.com slash in slash nickterrasio, or youtube.com slash nterrasio.com.